Hi, everyone. It's Saturday of New Day. The end of Outreach Boot Camp. But it's going to be so exciting! Do you know what? We've been praying this morning that today would be the day that in each of these locations we see people come to know Jesus. Yeah? Let's do that. Come on. This is the top of the mountain. We're really pushing into God. Just a few things to say before I hand over to someone. Steve. Um, everyone with a blue, proper blue outreach t-shirt, could you stand up? Or that would be wearing one if you were really prepared. Christine, that includes you. These guys have worked really hard this week to make Outreach Boot Camp happen. I'm so grateful to all of them. Anise and Penny and Brian, who've been working with all the tickets and the coaches. Steve, Christine, Phil, Dave, Simon, Jazz, Ruth, working really hard with making sure everything happens. Um, Should we just give them a super-duper round of applause? Guys, we so appreciate it. Have a seat. Um, I've just got one practical announcement to give, which is that we really want your feedback about Outreach Boot Camp um, so that we can shape outreach next year, um, learning from everything that has happened this week. Um, If you don't have a pen on you, it'll be helpful if everyone has a pen, but it's okay. We have spare pens. We're not going to do the forms now. We'll do them on the coach on the way home. But Brian will give you a pen. If you haven't got a pen, you need a pen before you get on the coach. And then everyone can fill in their forms at the same time rather than fighting over pens. Super. Now, it's my pleasure to invite Steve Wilson, who's going to come and share, come on, Steve, about our final model for outreach. And I'm really excited about this because I know that we're going to get opportunities to really go out there and talk to people about Jesus and talk to lots of people and um, I'm pumped. So, Steve, take it away. Thanks. Good morning. Are we well? What a pleasure it is to be here. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed my time with you guys this week. Thank you for being such an awesome group. Um, it's been a pleasure. This is my first ever New Day week and uh, if everyone's like this and you know, the number of people who are sort of super polite and positive and encouraging, I'm real glad to have spent some time with you. So thank you for being awesome. Round of applause for everyone. Um, just aware of the fact that there'll be some people in the room who don't know me super well, and so I thought I'd show you a picture of my people, if uh, Phil can do this stuff. Here we go. Hey! This, uh, this is my family right here. This lovely lady in the middle is the very beautiful wife of mine. Her name is Philippa. And uh, we've been married for seven years now. And um, the, the, the cute little thing at the top with the red hair, we call him Flame Boy, but his real name is James. And uh, he's, he's kind of super sweet. I, I kind of love being their dad. And this little one here, she's just 10 months old right now. Her name is Lexi. And uh, it's meant that kind of over the last nine months or so, I haven't slept very much. Okay? So this whole new day sleeping in a tent thing has actually been a bit of a break for me. Very good. Um, but I, say, I, I really love being a dad. And... Um, it's interesting, I was having a chat with Philippa yesterday about some of the stuff that James was, was doing, and uh, she actually had caught him in the kitchen, okay? And uh, he had just taken something out of his nose and wiped it down the wall. And just as he put his finger back in his snout, Philippa said, James, stop! And he stopped, 
He said, what? She said, what are you doing? And he took his finger out and he looked at his finger and he looked at his mom. And he looked at his finger and he said, do you want it, mummy? Oh. <laughs> you know, one of my... Um, favorite things about being a dad in this uh, kind of last couple of years is that I've been able to start watching Disney movies again. How many people love Disney movies, by the way? <laughs> Loving Disney movies. And um, I, I've recently become, uh, um, you know, ready and watching the film Frozen. Anyone seen Frozen? Now, I'm not even ashamed of the fact that I genuinely like Frozen. Some of those songs, though, are so catchy, right? You'll spend the entire day singing the same song. But Frozen's actually not my favorite Disney movie. Any, any favorite Disney movies out there? Tangled's very good. Again? I can't listen at the same time. Well, I'll tell you what, how many, how many Toy Story fans? Toy Story's right up there. Toy Story fans? Very good. And I'll tell you what my all-time, though, favorite Disney movie is. And um, cheer if you love it, The Lion King. Oh, my word. The Lion King is such a brilliant movie. And, you know, it's interesting because I was watching this movie, sat on the sofa with James not long ago, and uh, it's got this, this brilliant, brilliant storyline. Obviously, you've got Simba, the kind of future heir of the throne, who's got a brilliant relationship with his dad, and then through the nasty Uncle Scar, Boofer Scar, we don't like Scar. What happened, of course, is that Scar kills his dad, Mufasa. <gasps> Devastating moment, Okay. And in the midst of Mufasa getting killed, Simba is exiled into this wasteland where he meets the amazing Timon and Pomba, right? We love those guys. But there is this particular scene right in the middle of the Lion King. And it's a scene where actually God started to speak to me in a really powerful way. Because what happened is that there was this monkey, right? You remember the monkey with the pole? His name's Rafiki, right? And uh, Rafiki whacks Simba over the head and starts whispering to him that your father's alive. And then there's this beautiful moment where Simba is bouncing through the pride line, trying to find his dad. And he looks over right here, down into this pool of water. And there is this voice that starts rattling, ringing around the whole place. As we hear these words, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. It's kind of ringing and ringing and ringing. And everyone is suddenly engaged with. And I'm like, engage with this. And God starts speaking to me. And he says, Steve, do you remember who you are, who I've called you to be? Right now in this last session, I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to tell you some things that God says scripturally of who you are right now. You are chosen by God. You are made in his image and you are not a mistake. You've been knit together, and he loves you with an everlasting love. He will provide for all of your needs as you are his treasured possession. See, his thoughts toward you are as countless as the sand on the seashore, and he has a plan for you. He is your father, and he loves you just as he loves his son, Jesus. And you know, today he calls you friend. And he calls you his ambassador. And it's as his ambassador that he says, go into all the world. Share my good news. Heal the sick. Set free the oppressed. Raise the dead. Bring the kingdom. Guys, this is a high call. But it's the privilege for us who are sons and daughters of the king. And that's great news this morning.
see, you can open your eyes now, but being a Christian is less about having to do evangelism and it's more about being children of God who get to go on an adventure with their father. And you know, it's interesting because James has taught me a whole stack of things. And right from when he was very young, when he first started toddling, he always just wanted to be around me. He wanted to hang out. He wanted to help. He wanted to support me. And so there are occasions when I was doing something out in the garden. And I was shifting a whole load of things into the shed. And the first thing that James would do is, I, I want to help. And he would kind of grunt at me. And uh, even though he couldn't pick up anything that he did, what he would do is he would grunt. And then he would take one side of it. And I would carry the weight of it. And we'd drag that thing right to the back. But he loved it. He loved it. It's just as Mike Pilavachi was saying last night, actually, the fact that the, the, the key to being a Christian is realizing that we bring our... And then God is just behind us going... And making that light come up. You know, today we want to stay really close to the Holy Spirit. We're going to stay really close to Dad. And at the start of this week, we emphasize the fact that we can't save anyone. Remember that? We can't. We can't make stuff happen. But the delight and the design of God is that actually he takes the pressure off us, but then invites us to play a part as we watch him up close and personal. And so today, as we hit the streets, I just want us to encourage one another to stay really close to God, be listening out for how he wants to speak. And the key, I guess, today would be that we just want to be Jesus in skin to people. Okay? We want to be his hands and his feet. And not for a moment, actually, are we trying to win an argument. How many people know that you can actually win an argument but lose the person? Okay? You can win an argument but lose the person. We're not trying to do that. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to follow a model this afternoon called the miracle question. How many people have heard the miracle question? Only a splattering of people, in which case I'm super excited to tell you about it for the first time. Do you know the first time I heard of it? And it's because of the fact that a church in Coleraine, a place in Northern Ireland, started using someone from Coleraine. Yay! How exciting! Brilliant church in Coleraine. There's a guy there called Mark Marks who started basically and felt like God gave him a model for reaching out to people. And it's based around three questions and it's called the miracle question. Okay. Now, the reason I got excited about it is because when someone first told me, it was about a year ago today, there or thereabouts, it was about this time last year, and they told me the story of a guy who was in his 80s. And this guy in his 80s had been praying for a long time, saying, God, before I die, please can I just lead one person to Christ? And it was in the February of, the, of last year when he led, I think it was his cousin, it was either his cousin or his brother, he led his cousin or his brother to Christ, and he was so excited about it. But that happened, and then within five months, he led a further 12 people to Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Well, you know, so it got me excited. I wanted to find out about it. And basically, what the miracle question is, is a simple guide to help people have Jesus-focused gospel conversations and to share the love of Jesus, all right? Now, so in the last year since I found out about it, I've done it with friends, I've done it with neighbors, um, I've done it with people on the streets, which is kind of fun, which is what we're going to be doing this afternoon. I've also, to be honest, done it in other contexts. So like every time I get a taxi ride now, I have a little conversation with a taxi driver. And so whatever context you're going to be in, then you're able to use this method. And you know, I, I believe it right at the start, what we need to do is realize that we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. And this allows us to share it, because the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of anyone who believes. And I'm trusting that God's going to give us an opportunity this afternoon for people to come into the believing, trusting knowledge of who Jesus is and to be saved because of that. So, in a little while, you're going to be given a card like this. It will be on the bus. This reminds you of what the questions are, okay? But what we're not going to be doing this afternoon is actually reading from the cards. Actually, these are just to memorize them, to be tucked away, and then for you to enjoy a conversational style, okay? But let me just explain how this works, all right? First thing is there is the approach. Because, of course, when you're approaching someone, there are different ways that you can do it. 
And uh, there are some people, is that as we're looking to uh, engage with someone in conversation, some people who I would suggest are a little bit like the stealth snipers. All right? So these are the guys that are going to be tucked off to one side. And they're going to wait and they're going to look out for where the Holy Spirit is. And then they're going to crawl alongside a flower bed. And they're going to come up behind a car. And then they're going to just start to speak to them and say, hello. Okay? Stealth snipers. That's fine. You watch out for who God is picking out for you. The other people would be more the hardcore, heavy artillery scattergun approach. All right? Now, these people will more want to be in the place where the most people are walking past them. And they will literally be saying hello and engaging with every single person they can possibly. Do you know what? I'm very happy for you to do either of those things or anywhere in between. The important thing is actually you look to engage people with the initial question. Now, I don't know whether you've ever been lost in a town. Don't know where you're going. You want to find out where the local McDonald's is. Okay? All you simply do is approach people in the very same way. Hey, excuse me. Okay? That's all we're going to be doing. But on this occasion, you're actually not asking them for directions, but the desire in our hearts is the desire to actually see them know the directions to a relationship with God through Jesus, right? Now, just to say as a little caveat in this bit, Okay? What we don't want to be doing is jumping right up into someone's face and not allowing them past. Making ourselves big so that, you know, a little, little wall of people, they cannot get away. No, 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 no. We want to gently, positively just engage people. Catch their eye, but don't block their path. Particularly if you like this guy right here and looks seriously scary and intimidating. I, I wouldn't want to go near you, so just be really gentle. But we are going to have to show some boldness. It is going to take a little bit of courage. It is going to take a... A deep breath and say, you know, Holy Spirit, give me five seconds of courage to go and make this initial contact. But he's very good at that. Now, turn to the person next to you and say this. It's going to be very encouraging. You will be rejected today. I knew you would find that very encouraging. It's a really positive thing to say. It's going to fill you with life. In all honesty, there are going to be people, there are going to be people who aren't going to want to speak to you. I want to say sorry for that in one respect, but I also, do you know what? I know that Jesus was also rejected, so we're in very good company. But do you know what? Don't be discouraged. And definitely, whatever you do, don't count the number of people that you've asked the question to, all right? Because actually, it's, it's okay. But the point is that actually we're looking out for those people who God's got his hand on. I'll tell you, there was one occasion when I, I approached a guy who was in a wheelchair. And I literally, all I, I, I kind of went up to him and said, hey. And at that point, he literally said, oh, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I was like, yes. And he, he went, oh, Christians, bloody Christians. And he, he went off in his wheelchair. I was like, I feel really offended. I didn't do anything. But anyway, he got a little, little, little way away. And he turned around. And he came back and he said, do you know what I don't like about Christians? And he started just this full-on rant. And literally, I didn't say a word. And he went away again. And the third time, he went, do you know what else I would want to say to you? But anyway, this time he stopped. And he began to have a conversation with me. He asked me what I was doing. And I got to explain and just be really gentle. And just to ask questions about, well, what has been your experience? And, hey, it sounds like you're having a really tough time. And you know, we actually spoke for 20 minutes in the end. At the end of that conversation, a similar way actually to what Rob said. He said, you know, I've never met a Christian quite like you. And I think I'd have a much more positive approach if I met more of them. And tell me about my local church because maybe I'd think about going there. Do you know... Not only was I so excited about that conversation, but then he said, uh, I said, oh, well, mate, mate, you're going to be close to, to one of the New Frontiers churches around. And, uh, you know, he said, oh, I'm not going there. They're all nutters who put their arms in the air. And I thought, oh, awkward. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, so let's get to the point though. So, so we will, the likelihood is there will be times when you might feel rejected. But listen, you're there to encourage one another and recognize that it just means that God's got another step and opportunity for you. Okay, let's go into the first question, okay? First question you're going to ask people is a closed question. It's simply this. Excuse me, may I ask you a question? Excuse me, may I ask you a question? The reason it's closed is because it's either yes or no. Some people will say no, and they will continue to walk, and that's absolutely fine. Some people will say, I haven't got time, or I'm busy. Um, For you, all we're wanting to do at that point is to keep smiling, all right? Be prayerful, and be proactive. That's your simple first question. Second question is this. If they say yes, second question is this. If God could do a miracle in your life today, what would you have, what do you ask him to do for you? What would you ask him to do for you? Now, this could obviously go in lots of different ways. I had a team who were out just a week or so ago who approached someone and said, hey, if, if, if God could do a miracle for you today, what would you ask him to do? Their response was, well, I guess I'd really want to know the God that you're talking about. Awesome. That's the kind of response which is brilliant, but doesn't often happen. All right. So more often than not, people will say different things. Now, actually, Jesus used this same approach in Matthew 20. He's in this occasion when he's leaving Jericho, and there are these blind men who shout his name. He starts to engage with, and he simply says, what do you want me to do for you? We're asking the same question. What do you want of God? And simply put, we're looking for an opportunity to demonstrate God's love for them, his kindness for them. And I don't care what they say. We're looking to bless them and encourage them. All right? So, um, in the midst of that, obviously, they might say, I don't really understand the question. So, feel free to rephrase it. So, you could say, look, hey, personally, I'm not talking about things like world peace, but, you know, do you need a breakthrough in your life right now? Do you need some healing in your body or a close family member? You know, are times difficult? Have you got study or exams or, or, or any problems that you feel, actually, I need God to break into this situation? Some people will explain that they need a job. Other people will say that, you know, other things. The, the most bizarre one I've heard is about, the, you know, one particular young lad I, I you know, know we got to pray for who was like, actually, yeah, I really want to grow a beard. Like, okay. And so what we did is we prayed that he would be able to grow a beard. All right? Do you know the cool thing about that story is that we met some friends of his a few weeks later and they said, Oh yeah, you're the other miracle question guys. You're the guys who kinda of ask about God doing miracles. They were like, Yeah, we think you got to pray for God. He's got this really full beard now. It's bizarre. And you know, I genuinely, genuinely have no idea whether that's kind of just God doing something, but I trust that it was. And the point is that there was a phenomenal conversation on the back of us praying for a guy's facial hair. Who do? Anyway, um, so lots of people will, will, will say things. It's possible, it's possible that people might say something like, I want to win the lottery. The miracle I need is to win the lottery. And to be honest, that's, that's not uncommon, or they might say, I want a Ferrari. Like, it, it, it's good to just ask a follow-up probing question at that point. Simply, so I would often put, hey, does that mean that is, um, is money pretty tight right now? Actually, do you, do you need kind of a breakthrough in provision? Actually, that's a good thing to be able to do that. There's even been occasions when someone said to me, hey, actually, I I, I want my husband back. He died. And, you know, in that moment, we've got the opportunity, again, of being Jesus with skin on and loving them, ministering to them, and just saying, hey, I'm so sorry. That must be so difficult. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? Can I just pray that God would just show grace to you in this time, that he would just be really kind to you, even as you still grieve? And actually... Again, we're not trying to just go through the motions with this technique, okay, with this model. We're trying to love people well. 
Okay? And so even if someone says something very revealing, very deep, I want you to stop and to listen and to allow the Holy Spirit to speak as you ask them questions and they engage with you. Do you understand? Do you understand? Make sense? All right. Now, it's of course possible that they might go in a different direction at that point. They might say, well, actually, I've received a miracle. Ask them about it. That's great. Oh, what happened? You know, that's awesome. Tell me about it. Maybe it's the case that they're like, do you know what? I don't need anything right now. In which case, we've got the opportunity of moving on to question three. But irrespective, if they say something, I want you to pray your very best prayers for them. So even just say, okay, let's do a real life example. You, sir, stand up. Right. We're, uh, you got to walk toward me. Hey, excuse me, can I, can I ask you a quick question? Great. Hey, I was just wondering, if, um, if God could do a miracle in your life right now, what would you want him to do? Everything's fine right now, to be honest. Everything's fine. Okay, there's no, there's no kind of pain in your body right now. Any problems at school, any difficulties, any challenges that we can, that we can at all kind of help you with or that you'd want God to do? No. Give him a kick at that point. All right, uh, okay, at this point, because I don't want to move on to question three yet, think of something. What can we do for you? Hey. <laughs> My back hurts. Your back hurts. Hey, how would you feel if I, if I just pray, pray for your back? You know, we, we go out regularly and God does some amazing things through us. Would you mind if I quickly pay for your back just now? Outstanding. All right, well, listen, this is my friend, and my name's Steve, by the way. And, you know, is, is there any chance that maybe just one of us could put their hand on your back? You know, the Bible talks about how God's healing comes through holy hands, and maybe we could just take that opportunity. And I would basically lead an opportunity then of just, of just praying. Now, whenever you're praying for a non-Christian, okay, don't use jargon. Don't be weird, okay? Because Jesus wasn't. People don't know how to be prayed for. And so all I want to do is pray a simple prayer in the authority that Jesus has given me. Okay, and so I want to, obviously I've found out his name by this point, which I haven't yet. What's your name? Sebastian. Sebastian. So I would pray a blessing over Sebastian, whatever it is. But the other thing that I do is I want to keep my eyes open, okay? And just make it normal. So I've got it in the name of Jesus. I just bless Sebastian. I take authority over all pain in his back and say, go in the name of Jesus. And I say, God, would you have your hand over him? Would you love him? Would you cherish him? Would you reveal everything that you want to now in Jesus' name? Well done, amen. Okay, and uh, obviously he's back. He's miraculously healed and everything's gone really well. Go have a seat. Um, but the point is, simple prayers and simple way of engaging people, okay? There was one occasion, you know, when I was in a market store, just connecting with people, and uh, I met a particular guy called John. And John had a really bad ankle problem. He'd had it for many years in constant pain. And so I was like, hey, John, can I just pray for your ankle then? And I kind of knelt down, prayed for his ankle, and uh, he kind of just stood like this. And uh, so I was knelt down partway through praying, and then he says, hold on. I've got someone at the till. And he goes and he leaves me kneeling on the floor. And I'm like, uh, what do I do? What do I do? He goes off. And then he walks back and he's like, right, carry on. Now, the interesting thing about that is that about two and a half, maybe three weeks later, he phoned the church. Because at the time, nothing particularly had happened. But he phoned the church and said, all right, I need to, uh, I need to speak to that really handsome fella who does that stuff in the town. He actually didn't say that. He, he asked for the tall, bald man. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, that, was my, that was my opportunity to, uh, to go and meet with him. And what he said to me was that for that two and a half weeks, it had no pain whatsoever, but that the pain had started to come back. But I got to meet him, pray for him again, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him, which I thought was outstanding. Let's go on to question three, okay? So we're looking to demonstrate just God's love and kindness. Final question. It's this. When you, if once you've done that second question, you've been through that process, it might be that you didn't get to pray for them, maybe you did. But the third question we want to ask is this. What do you think is the greatest miracle God could ever do for you is? Now, think about the difference, okay? 
The, the, the second question, as you can see, is what's the one miracle that you need today? The, second, the third question, excuse me, is what's the greatest miracle that God could ever do for you? Now, obviously, they may share something. Sometimes they'll make reference to the fact that actually they're a Christian. They believe that, you know, they've, they've, they know God and so on. Most often it will be something else. But at that point, again, I just want you to listen well. And then if you're given the opportunity, which I'm trusting that God will, you could even say to them, hey, do you mind me sharing what I think the greatest miracle is? And if there's any sense of open door to have that kind of conversation, this is the beautiful opportunity for you to be able to say, look, hey, this is, this is the gospel. I believe... It's the way I would phrase it in these kind of conversations. I believe the greatest gift, the greatest miracle that God could ever do is actually, he's already done. And it comes in the form of a gift. It's a gift of eternal life and forgiveness for all of us. But it has to be received. Do you feel like, do you feel like you've ever received the gift of eternal life? Now pause, because that's a question. A question that demands a response. And what they might do is take the question in a completely different direction. They might, but in which case, come back to it. So, so do, you ever, do you feel like you've received the gift from Jesus of eternal life? And let's just wait until they say yes or no. If they say, if they say yes, then great. Ask them what that looks like for them. Maybe it's the case that they have. Maybe actually they think they have and they haven't. But most often, very regularly, I think even this afternoon, there'll be the question of that they haven't. Now, here's the, here's the beautiful step, okay, in the midst of this third question. I are able to say to them, hey, do you know, that gift is actually available to all of us, and it's available to you right now. You see, Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago and paid the penalty for our sins. He died the death that we should have died so that we could know forgiveness, so that we could know purpose today, so that we could know hope for the future. Everything that Simon shared with us on Tuesday gives us the opportunity to be able to tell people this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And at the end of that, you know, whilst we can share that actually it costs Jesus everything, but it doesn't cost us anything. You can say, would you like to receive that gift today? Would you like to receive that gift today? And if they do, if they say yes, and do you know, it's interesting because uh, today is a beautiful, bright, sunny day. The last, um, about three months ago, I went out on one occasion and we had an, about an hour and 15 minutes and it was a miserable day and I had zero faith that day. And, um, I'd kind of gone out on with, just with a friend of mine. And through the course of that afternoon, we, were, we led 11 people to a response in Jesus. And, you know, simply through obedience and listening well and asking good questions. And if, if obviously we get the opportunity and we can just pray a simple prayer with them. And say, hey, look, to, to invite Jesus into your life, we believe he's knocking on your heart right now. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Pray in your heart. Pray in your head if you like to. And we'd say, Lord, dear Jesus, we want to say sorry for the things that we've done. We want to put our trust in you and your cross. And we want to ask that you'd come into our lives. And to be honest, I'm not going to teach you necessarily a salvation prayer in that way. And I'm going to trust that you and your group leaders will be able to have heard that and done that in the past. But praying that God would fill them and then helping them get connected to a local church is a wonderful, miraculous, God-exciting thing. And it's my desire that many of us today would have an opportunity to having gospel conversations, okay? But there's no pressure on anyone. We just get to go and be obedient, ask good questions, and then do it. Now, just as I land, Jazz is going to get up and, and, and take us on from here. I just want to say this, okay? We hold in our hands the most valuable, the most life-changing, the most beautiful message that has ever been told. 
And I'm so excited about the prospect of just sharing that with people today. And so what we're going to do is not numb that down. We're not going to be ashamed of it, not going to be embarrassed of it. We're going to look to bring life into situations. Bless them, pray for them. Even if someone wants a toy donkey for their birthday, pray that God would give them the toy donkey for their birthday and just demonstrate his love through that. Let's be really kind to people. And then what we're going to do is, just as we close in a few minutes, is we're going to do some commissioning prayers. But why don't we welcome up Jazz, who's going to come and share with us just now. Woohoo! Are you buzzing for this afternoon? Yeah, I am buzzing for this afternoon. And we have had a tremendous week. I just We sort of did a rough tally of how many people we've managed to speak to this week or minister to in some way or other. Between the six coaches and the two afternoons, we've probably been able to speak to somewhere over a 1,000 people on the streets of Norfolk. That's mental. That's just crazy that we, in the short time, and it is a relatively short time, have been able to go out on the streets of Norfolk and minister to over a thousand people. Bring it on. And we get to do it all again this afternoon. Yes. And I'm very excited for the miracle question. I've never done it before, so I'm looking forward to giving this a go. Um, but we have talked a lot this week about reaching people, um, reaching people that we know, our friends, our neighbours, people that we uh, study with, people that we work with. Um, but actually, the call on our lives is bigger than that. We have been called to this crazy adventure. And we had this incredible news to share that we've been talking about. But the call is much, much bigger. Let's look at this verse. Um, Phil's going to put it up for us. It's one that we're familiar with. It's in Acts 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's a huge call. I want to just debunk something very quickly about this verse. Because obviously we look at that and there seems to be an order. We talk about the fact that there is a Jerusalem, a Judea, and a Samaria, which is implying that it's a smaller area, a bigger area, and then an even bigger area and to the ends of the earth. So you could say it's your home, your street, your school, your college, your town, your city, your country, your nation. You're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and to the ends of the earth, which is global domination, quite frankly. But... Often we misread that. We misread this verse. And instead of reading the and, we read the word then. So we read it as, then you'll become my witnesses in Jerusalem, then all Judea, and then Samaria. We automatically imply that you've got to do the small thing before you can do the next thing, before you can do the next thing. Listen, I want to tell you about my mum. As you can tell, I'm probably not from this country. I was actually born in India, and I was raised as a Sikh. And I'm sure many of you know what Sikhs So I'm not going to tell you that story. That's a story for a different time. But my mum is not a Christian. And I became a Christian some 30-odd years ago, clearly when I was minus 12. And, um, yeah, just thought I'd let that sink in for a minute. And, uh, and my family weren't very happy that I'd become a Christian. They were very anti-Christian, in fact. And I used to try and tell my mum about Jesus. Why would I not tell my mum about Jesus? I don't want to, you know, I wanted to enjoy the good things that Jesus has to offer. Um, 
but mum got to the stage where she goes, will you just stop telling me about this? I don't want to know. And in the end, in order to honour her, I just stopped telling her about Jesus. But over the years, mum laughs at me and she goes, oh, she doesn't, she doesn't drive, so she gets a bus everywhere. She goes, yeah, I met another one of you a lot on the bus today. Met another one on the street corner today. So you, you Christians, you're out there, you're doing it. And she's often meeting Christians who are speaking truth to her. A couple of years ago, I'm still stressed about the fact that mum's not a Christian. I really wanted to be saved. I'm, you know, we're talking 30-odd years here. Um, I woke up with this sense of, I've got to tell mum that she's got to become a Christian. But how am I going to do this? And... Um, I, went, I rang her up and said, Mum, come around today. Is there anything you need? And she asked me to go and pick something up. And so I went, and we come from Wimbledon, so I had to go into Wimbledon Broadway to pick up part of the car. And I got out of the car, and I was just texting. I was walking along, just texting like this. So my head wasn't up, and it was down. And as I was texting, I saw a ball roll in front of me and into the main road in Wimbledon, Wimbledon Broadway. I didn't really think much of it, but as I was, as I sort of saw this ball going across, and I wasn't really registering because I was paying attention to my phone, I saw a little toddler running behind this ball into the traffic. Now, if I'd actually thought about it, I wouldn't have stepped into the road to pick it up, but it was so, pick her up, it was so instinctive, I just stepped into the road, scooped her up, put her back on the side of the road. Um, Just a natural response to what happened. At that point, there was a loud cheer from a a set of builders that were up on a scaffold above me. Um, They could see the child going into the road, uh, but they couldn't get down fast enough to rescue the child. Um, The parents were in a shop, and somehow their child had gone out with a ball and into... Anyway, managed to sort all of that out. If I had thought about it, I wouldn't have done it. It was instinctive to want to rescue, to want to save this child. And that left a very strong impression in my life. And I was just like, I need to go and see my mum. I need to go and tell her about Jesus now. And I walked into the house and I'm like, mum. And I'm like, I'm waiting for every opportunity I can to tell her about Jesus. And I could not bring the conversation around no matter what I did. And so I got to that stage where I'm like, God, what do I do? And in the end, it was time for me to go. And she just looked at me and she's been struggling with some ill ill health. And she just said, will you just pray for me? And when he asked Jesus to heal me, and I'm like, do what? And I'm like, I can't ask Jesus to heal you until you say hello to Jesus. And she looked me straight in the eye and she went, right, hello, Jesus. I share that story with you. Because, I mean, I don't know where she is with her walk in with God, but she is walking with Jesus somewhere. It's taken me a long time for her to get to that point, but I really want my mum to be saved. However, if I waited for my mum to be saved, I wouldn't then be telling my friends or my colleagues or, you know, everyone else I meet about Jesus. See, when we look at this verse and it says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and and in all Judea and in Samaria, the and means it's happening all at the same time. If we waited for the then, none of us would ever go. And the call on our lives is for all of us to go, whether it's to our local environment or to the very ends of the earth. Moreover, many of you will know one or two things about history. I guess we've got some um, budding historians in the room. I'm sure you're very aware of the Roman Empire, whether you're a historian or not. And you all recall that the Roman Empire is famous for their roads. You've heard the expression, all roads lead to Rome, yep? 
The reason for that is because they made very straight, clear roads. And this was in the time when the gospel was about to spread. Now, because of their straight roads, the gospel spread very, very quickly. Very kind of the Romans to build this facility for us to get the gospel out. Or, you know, God in the big picture kind of knew that was all going to happen. Whatever which way, however you want to think about it, the point is the gospel was designed to go out. It wasn't designed to stay in Galilee. It was designed to be taken to the ends of the earth. And again, we live in an age today where actually getting the gospel out there is relatively easy in many ways. We have information and facilities to be able to get that out. We reminded yesterday, um, Daryl reminded us yesterday about uh, sharing everything and having everything in common. And, uh, and he said, you know, if everybody in the church had everything in common, that would make us very attractive. And we used to have a really good couple, well, they're a really good couple still, um, living across the road from us. We don't live there sadly anymore. But we made a decision that we would uh, buy only one of the big things. So between the four of us, we only had one lawnmower. We only had one power washer. We only had one wallpaper stripper. We didn't need double of everything because actually you don't use those things all of the time. And if we just shared the resources between us, we were living you know, in common. That's quite, it was good fun. In fact, we still share stuff and we don't live too far from them now. And uh, when they go away, we have their spare car. And when we go away, they have our car and so on. We're still living with having things in common. And that is great. And our material need, you know, there are things that we need and God meets those needs. But actually our spiritual need, our ultimate destination is far more important than our material needs. People out there need to know that they need Jesus. So that child in that road that I was able to step in and do something about, do you know, I often find myself praying for that child because I believe God's hand is on that child's life and that there's a call of God on her life to do something very, very significant. And even though I don't know who she is, I didn't meet the parents, I didn't have a conversation, I have found myself praying for that little girl. Some of you here this morning will be sitting here listening to this and you're going, where is she going with this? But God is going to be able, God today will be laying nations on your heart. Just as I'm speaking, there is a sense of commissioning. And there'll be those of you that feel, yeah, I'm really called to the town that I live in. I'm really called to this place. I don't have a sense of moving. But for others of you today, you'll think, no, actually I want to move. There is a different place for me to go. There is a different work for me to do where I know God is calling me to. I don't know what that will look like, whether it, you'll do it on your own, whether you'll do it with a spouse or what will happen. But I have friends all over the world that I met in the UK that are serving in different ways, not necessarily leading churches, having maybe a regular day kind of job and then um, going out and moving lock, stock and barrel from here because they know that they're called to the ends of the earth. My friend Beth, she is in Sweden and she's an actor out there. She felt, actually it was at New Day a few years ago, God speak to her about moving to Sweden. She went home, she learned the language, she got soaked in the culture, she connected with other people that were moving to Sweden. She's part of the church plant, but she's got herself a job um, acting and loving it. My friend Ali, who I grew up with, felt God speak to her about going to India. I was born in India, I don't feel God calling me to India, but my friend Ali felt called to India and she's teaching out there. 
my friend Dave, has, uh, who was in my youth group, when he was, he felt God speak to him about Australia. He's moved to Australia and working in computers, married to a beautiful Australian girl, and they've got five children. Um, my friend Beth, also in my youth group, now in New Zealand, married to a New Zealand guy. My friends John and Abby, John has come back. They were in China for a number of years. Both of them felt God called them to China. They went and served out there. They were there for about seven years. They're back now working with us in this church. So they weren't, didn't feel forever, but they felt for a season it was right for them to be in China. My friends Matt and Joe, they're out in Holland planting a church out there. And my friend Louise, she got called to Hawaii. It's not so bad, is it? Uh, my friends Phil and Sharon, Sharon's here. Phil is out there working in Italy. He's got the coolest job ever. He builds robots. And he's making a robot for Disney at the moment. Is that right? Did I pick that up? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool job. Serving in the church in Italy. And I got Croydon. Yeah, Croydon. <laughs> When all my friends are being called all over the world, and I'm thinking Hawaii, Australia, you know, Italy, not so bad, not shabby at all. And I got Croydon. I'll tell you what, I was a bit disappointed. And if you grow up in Wimbledon, you don't move to Croydon and, uh, unless God says. But actually, I wasn't there very long. And I began to realize, yeah, we know Croydon is an ethnically diverse borough. But actually, Croydon has the home office based in it, which means that in a very real way, the nations of the world all travel through Croydon, which means in a very real way, I get to impact some lives and our church gets to impact some lives and the churches in Croydon get to impact lives that could impact the nations of the world. That's amazing. See, when my mum becomes a Christian and is fully saved and added, and I'm still praying that in for her, I'm not going to stop. She's on a journey. The transformation that will take place in her life will transform the temples that she currently worships in. She is well known in her temples. She is well respected in her temples. When she comes to Jesus, she will transform a whole group of people that I currently can't reach. You guys here, I don't know where you will end up, but you will get to transform and work in communities that I can't reach, that Steve can't reach, Rob can't reach, this team can't reach, but God will call you. And so I'm just going to allow the Holy Spirit now to speak into your lives. Just be waiting on him. There are nations he's going to lay on your hearts as I'm speaking. There are communities and people groups, places perhaps we've not even heard of. Maybe it is to Australia or somewhere in Africa. Maybe it's to a closed Muslim nation that we can't even mention. I've got a friend who's a photographer in a closed Muslim nation. I'm not even allowed to tell you where she is working. Maybe you are called to plant a church in a different nation. But God is just beginning to lay that on you. You might be called to your town forevermore. But allow God to speak to you. It's moments like this where, where lives are changed forever. 
Well, you'll go back from here and go, no, I'm going to test that call. I'm going to go and speak to my leaders about it. I feel God saying this. You're going to go and learn a language. You're going to immerse yourself in a culture. You're going to find out as much as you can about that place. But it starts with hearing from God. There's others of you that are thinking, actually, my family aren't Christians. How am I going to move from this? And you just want to stand in the gap for your family. I want to stand in the gap for my family. And God's just going to give you a rise of faith for them right now. And so what I want to do now is just to pray for you. Would you just hold your hands out and begin to receive? I don't know if any of the other guys have got anything prophetic, but I'd encourage you to bring, bring anything that you've got. Father, I want to thank you for this outstanding army that are sitting here right now. I want to thank you for every heart that is willing to go. I want to thank you that you've been doing such a deep work in us this week. And Father, as we wait on you, I pray, would you just begin to uh, give us vision of what you're calling us to, of where you are calling us, our Jerusalem, our Judea, and our Samaria. Father, would you begin to speak to us about nations and languages and people groups and tribes and tongues that only come from you? Thank you come, Holy Spirit. I just want to tell you real quick while you're engaging with God about uh, someone I know. His name was Tom. Keep your eyes closed just and keep engaging with him. His name was Tom. And um, he grew up in the church and he... Um, got baptized and went on ministry trips and the reality though was that despite the fact that everything looks very well on the surface something much deeper was going on under the hood and actually he was um, somewhat abused in the name of Christianity he was um, forced to memorize scripture he was told that you know God was going to do certain things to him if he didn't obey his parents well and he was put beaten and, and put under the stairs even at times and um, he now Tom, as an adult, is a very angry man toward God, and he um, has a blog. His blog is called The Myth of God. He regularly, pretty much every day, writes tweets and Facebook posts all about the fact that God isn't real, and he spends his time watching and going round to watch some of the senior atheists, in both in this country and all over the place, you know, the Daniel Dennett's and the Sam Harris's and the Richard Dawkins of this world. And you know, the reason that this story and this person is very important to me is because of the fact that it's my dad. You see, my dad is very angry with God, if he even believes there is one. And I stand as someone who got saved in his mid-twenties, who has a father who is really angry toward what I believe, and he's passionately against what I stand for and what I believe my life's about. And in the midst of Jazz sharing the story about the situation with her mum, I just felt really God was on this today for those of you who actually, you, you can identify with those situations and know that you have people in your immediate family who aren't saved and who you have got almost desperate to know Christ. And I, I just feel like there's something of God for us to pray for you right now. So if you know actually that you want to almost stand on their behalf for a moment, and that actually that you want grace on your life to be able to witness well to them, I want you just to stand for a moment. So maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a step-parent, maybe it's a brother or a sister. 
And we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit would just do a mighty work in you and in them. I know it's painful. I know it's hard. And we're called to pray and persevere. And Holy Spirit, we trust you and where you're directing us right now. And I want to pray for grace upon grace across every single person that stood up right now. In fact, if you're not stood up, stand alongside someone. Put your hand on their shoulder. Stand with these guys. And God, we pray blessing on them right now. Father, I want to pray that even on the back of this week where you've been speaking to us so deeply, Lord, that you would do a mighty thing such that we would know many people, much fruit, people coming to the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, even through our lives, through our witness, through the way that we love you, God. And I pray for fathers and for mothers. I pray for brothers and for sisters. I pray for siblings and cousins. I pray for step-parents. And God, I want to pray, Lord, would you do something wonderful and give us the opportunity, Lord, to live lives in such a way, Lord, that it demonstrates your kindness toward them. And God, I pray just for a level of perseverance and gentleness and a connection, Lord, for each individual here who stood, that they would know your grace and your guidance, that they would hear your voice and delicately, Lord, be obedient to you in the midst of it. And God, I pray that you just soothe those difficulties, Lord, that you'd help them to relate and engage. And Lord, where it is painful, God, would there be times of connection solely with you where, Lord, they can process and seriously, just be honest with God about how how it feels, but cry out for them in prayer. We recognize, Lord, that you're doing a mighty thing now. So we honor you. We honor you. There's a beautiful moment in, a, in one of the Narnia stories in which um, the character Diggory, um, I think it's the magician's nephew, is really worried about his mum. And then he looks up into Aslan's eyes when he's talking about his mum and he sees tears in Aslan's eyes. And when he sees those tears, he all at once re- feels that, that, that Aslan loves his mum more than he does. And that even his worry and his concern. And uh, I just feel that the Lord really wants to minister to each one of you that have responded. That, that you would see his tears flow deeper, wider, bigger, richer, truer than even yours do. That he is so concerned and full of love for your family members so we just thank God for that father we we just want to thank you that your love outstrips our love that your grace and patience outstrips our grace and our patience and that you truly love lost people (laughs) you love them you'd leave the 99 for the one we thank you for that love in Jesus name amen just while we're um, standing, I just want to speak into a specific kind of person. Um, I just feel like there are some people here that are really called to stay. That like you're, God isn't sending you to the ends of the earth. He's sending you to, work, to stay where you are for his glory. And that, that God is saying to you today that you are going to change a nation through staying. And that you are going to have national impact through staying. And sometimes I think we can get kind of like... Um, m- the mission of God FOMO, like fear of missing out. We can like think, am I missing out? Like other people are going to university. Other people are going on gap years and doing exciting things. And and I, I think I'm going to stay in my town or my city for, for kind of a long time. And um, sometimes we always feel like the action's out there. You know, like it's 
is somewhere else, somewhere more exciting. And I just feel like those of you, God really wants to speak into some situations and say, you are right where I want you to be. And I am going to use you. You will not be wasted. As long as you are willing and obedient to him and available to him, he doesn't waste that. He doesn't waste that. And he, you, and, and I, I've met people over the years that kind of have this fidgety, fear of missing out mission thing. And I just want to pray for for those of you. I just wonder if anyone, if you feel like that, if you just maybe want to put up your hand and I'll just pray for anyone. You just feel called to stay. Brilliant. I can see some hands. I just want to pray for those who feel called to stay. Father, we just want to pray for these guys. We thank you that you have determined the time and place of where they live. That is by your miraculous purpose and plan that they are where they are. And Lord, I know that you have called them and I know that you will not waste them and I know that you will use them for your glory. And we just want to pray for these guys now and pray that your spirit would fill them. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, For the guys who we were just praying for with uh, a member of the immediate family who doesn't know Jesus, uh, it was actually my birthday yesterday. I didn't tell anyone. Um, I don't really celebrate it. Um, Thanks, that really wasn't my point, but my point was that my wife's dad is not a Christian, and I'm pretty sure at times he doesn't even like me, actually. And I got a card from him yesterday, and in there was a £10 note. And I thought that this guy doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't know the generosity of God, and he doesn't have the Holy Spirit in his life. And he can still give me a tenner, and I'm pretty sure he still doesn't even like me. Like, for the guys who, in your life, who, in your immediate family, who doesn't know Jesus, you have so much to give them. And you have the greatest gift on earth to give them, actually, the story of Jesus and what he's done. And if someone I'm pretty sure doesn't like me can give me a tenner on my birthday, we can give them so much more than that in the name of Jesus. I just wanted to encourage you. Thanks, Phil. Phil hung out with us all day yesterday and didn't tell us it was his birthday. If it was my birthday, I would make sure you all knew about it. I would milk it for anything. Before we go, um, those of you that do feel uh, that you are called abroad or there is something of God laying uh, a nation on your heart, I want you to just touch somebody on the shoulder and tell them what God spoke to you about. Do it now. Go on, just, just tell somebody next to you, if God spoke to you during that time, God's calling me to this nation. Okay, that's it. That's all the time you get. That is it. Stop. Even with that little bit of noise, I know that Father has spoken to some of you and nations have been laid in your heart. You may go there. You may not go there. You may be called to pray and intercede for those nations. But I do know that God is doing something about reaching the ends of the earth this morning. Guys, we need to go. But before you do, put your things down, T and me. Yeah, there's not been the official release yet. The official release comes like this, all right? I want to pray one more prayer. 
And it's a prayer of blessing, it's a prayer of fruitfulness, and it's a prayer of commission. So get ready to receive from God, all right? Because I believe there's some significance in here. And you know what? Whatever God has put inside of me to want to talk about Jesus, whatever he's put inside of these guys, I'm going to pray that every single one of you gets a double portion and has a phenomenal afternoon. So engage with him and recognize there's something of impartation even as we pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and every single individual right across this room and I want to pray blessing and favor across every single one of them. Lord, that they would know courage, that they would know boldness, that they would know compassion, that they would know your grace, Lord, and that you would give them the words to say both today, Lord, and tomorrow and next week and for all the days of their lives such that they might see a mighty harvest. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that you have literally this week taken at a boot camp some of your mighty warriors and you have equipped and anointed them and you've called them to something richer and deeper than they ever knew. And I want to pray, God, that they would love the adventure of honoring you and sharing the beautiful message of the gospel. So, God, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. I say be blessed. Have everything that we have. Have everything that we have. It's a spiritual mantle. It's a favor. It's a grace on you now to go and have an absolute blast. So it's been a privilege to be with you. And we all shout in Jesus' name. Amen.